Andrew's Morning Show, The Breakfast Club. Man, what the hell is this, man? Breakfast Club, bitches. I'm glad they put y'all together. Y'all are like a mega force. Y'all just took over everything. Wake your punk ass up. This Chris Brown. I've officially joined The Breakfast Club. Say something, motherfucker. I'm with it. The world's most dangerous morning show. Breakfast Club, bitches. Yo 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 Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, TJ MV. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet is Tuesday. Toronto, what up? Good morning. How's everybody feeling today? Good, good, good. How you guys feeling? I am blessed, black, and highly favored. Yeah, it was hot outside yesterday. Yeah, it was hot. It was a hot one yesterday. It's like 97 degrees here in New York. Yeah, it's going to be a, a heat wave. They say 90 degrees the whole week. Very humid. Guys. Yes, guys, sir. It's it's summertime. Okay? Yeah. It's like literally it's literally like walking, a bath, walking in a bathroom with somebody's pooping and, pooping and saying, it stinks in here. It's but you still do it. To. Yes, we but do. You still say it, <laughs> that's though. The, that, hey, that's the beauty of summer. The beauty of summer and the beauty of winter is when you walk outside when it's 98 degrees, you say, damn, it's hot out here. Mm-hmm. This actually feels good to say that. Honestly. It does. It, it feels good to announce that because we understand what season that we're in. Same thing with winter. Damn, it's freezing out here. It's supposed to be. It's wintertime. But I yeah. was catching up on some TV yesterday. I've watched The Shy. Have you all been watching The Shy? I'm so, I'm I have so been behind on The Shy. Yeah, me too. Like I'm so, When I say I'm so behind on The Shy, I think I saw like the first episode and haven't seen anything since. I have to catch up on, I was watching I May Destroy You. You all watch that? No. Uh-uh, what is that? It's also on HBO. Um, and oh, yeah, yeah, with um the young lady from Chewing Gum. I can't remember Michaela. her name. Um, what's her name? Michaela Cole. Yes, from the UK. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, so that also comes on. That's a great, great show, if you haven't seen that yet. I was just catching up on some things. 90 Day Fiance, I have to catch up on. Mm-hmm. I know y'all don't watch that either. No. No, no, no. Well, Did y'all watch be- that um that movie with Nia Long? What movie? No, I heard about it. Nia Long and all my mm-hmm. ups. No. Fatal Affair. No. I think it's called Fatal Affair. Yeah, no, I didn't see it. Did you? I watched that. <laughs> well, you just you, you said I look. I've been I running around. I'm just gonna stay home. Yeah, I sure yeah, did. <laughs> I don't really like horror movies. I don't like to pay people to scare me. Um, it's not a Fatal horror movie. Affair. It sounds like a horror movie. Fatal and then the word affair. Black men don't cheat. That's stuff that I like to stay away from. Feels like I'm with you. Nightmares and anxiety. There's actually no black men cheating in it. Really? I might check it out. You know why you? Why? I'm not going to fall into that. (laughs) 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 Exactly what it is. But it's Omar Epson Nia Long, so... And shout to the driver. Yesterday I was riding my bike, getting my miles in, and somebody pulled up next to me and said, Give Charlemagne his bike back. <laughs> and took off. That's right. That's my bike. I thought about that. Listen, when you was on your little ride yesterday and you posted that picture on Instagram, I literally saw that. I said, That's my bike, fool. Get I felt like Red and Friday. I said, I want my bike. I want to so bet give yesterday. Give Charlemagne his bike back. That's right. I want a bike. I Get want my bet. I got. That's my bike. Well, Romney Malco will be joining us this morning. We'll kick it with Romney Malco. Mm-hmm. He has a, a new flick that comes out this weekend, so we'll talk to him. And, then and we got he wrote, pa- directed, edited, and everything, mm-hmm. and starred in. And we got front page news coming up. What are we talking about? 
Well, let's let's talk about baseball and coronavirus. What's happening there? We'll tell you about the outbreak that has caused them to postpone three games. All right. We'll get to that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where we starting, Yee? Well, let's start with this. At least 14 players and coaches on the Miami Marlins tested positive for COVID-19. So Major League Baseball has to postpone three games, and now they are raising questions about holding this season, even though there is a pandemic going on. Here is Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. Was there discussion, questions about the possibility of this season being, if not canceled, put on hiatus? No, there really wasn't. We built protocols anticipating positive tests at some point during the season, that the protocols were built in order to allow us to continue to play through those positives. And I think there was support for the notion that the protocols are adequate to keep our players safe. Yeah, I don't see how they contain that for a whole season. They're going to be traveling. It's a lot more personnel in baseball. It's not like they can put themselves in a bubble Absolutely. in one location like basketball players. I don't know how they contain it. I don't see right, it. because there are no fans at the games. They've banned <clears throat> high fives. There's no fist bumps, and there's no spitting amongst the players. Now, here is a commissioner uh, talking about what's going to happen moving forward with testing and protocols. We have improved the testing. There was a timeliness issue early on. We've completely eliminated the problem of having pending tests that people were talking about. But that applies across the board in terms of the protocol. It is an evolving situation. We continue to look at them. We're looking at them again today to see whether there's anything that we've learned from this situation that might cause us to make alterations. Hey, man, I'm not a baseball fan. I tell y'all all the time and telling y'all for years, I like baseball better when everybody was on steroids. That's when the sport was at its best, okay? Right now, I don't, I'm not, I'm not missing baseball. I was yeah, watching NBA it. Countdown. I was watching NBA Countdown last night saying, this is why I love basketball. Basketball is so, it's so amazing. You know, uh, it's, it's such a great sport. The fact that it can even be contained in a bubble is amazing. How was how it without the crowd, though? Because I, I haven't seen any games yet. How was it without the crowd? It looked regular to me. I mean, I'm not going to say it looks regular. Regular is not the word. It definitely looks different, but I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm paying attention to the action on the court. And think about it, man. We live in a different era. We live in a social media era. The crowd is on social media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, I enjoy it. Well, in the White House, Donald Trump's National Security Advisor, Robert O'Brien, has tested positive for coronavirus, according to sources. So... The White House declined to immediately comment. We don't know whether or not they're going to have to quarantine. But the University of Notre Dame announced that they will withdraw from hosting the first presidential debate that was supposed to happen September 29th. Now that will take place at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland. According to a statement that they made, the president of the university, Father John Jenkins, said that he made what he called this difficult decision because the necessary health precautions would have greatly diminished the educational value of hosting the debate debate on our campus so unfortunately even though they would have liked to host that debate they won't i wonder why they couldn't host the debate like that seems like a very easy thing to be able to socially distance you just got two candidates i'm sure there's security around somewhere yeah, it's not like the uh the, the moderator is, is right next to the people like that seems like mm-hmm. it could be a very easy thing to the the socially distance that and we were talking about these stimulus checks in this next round well mitch mcconnell has unveiled the heels act 
the Republican Heals Act to address the coronavirus pandemic. There's another round of $1,200 stimulus checks on the way. According to McConnell, this bill is expected to cost about $1 trillion. It gives a liability shield to businesses and funds to schools, and it caps at 70% of pre-pandemic pay. That is the unemployment insurance supplement that lapsed last week. So this time the stimulus checks will include extra cash for people with adult dependents. And Mm -hmm. if you have an adult or child that's dependent on you, you qualify for a $500 payment. So if you earn up to $75,000, you get the full $1,200. But if you earn more than that, you'll get smaller amounts. And people who earn over $99,000, again, won't get any money. That's All good, right, man. people. People out there with their phones turned off, and the only way they can communicate is by doing FaceTime audio. Uh, they got Wi-Fi somewhere. So yes, stimulus checks need to be out. All right. Well, that's front page news. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, phone lines are wide open. The number again is 800-585-1051. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. <laughs> your time to get it off your chest whether you're mad or blessed so you better have the same energy we want to hear from you on the breakfast club hello who's this yo this is your boy chili chill out of pittsburgh morning mv morning morning what's up brother man i'm chilling chilly i'm chilling morning up, ain't nothing baby hey good morning just, uh, hey man i just found out my neighbor all six of her kids got add all like, six all of, them. of them all six of them all different dads you had me sitting there thinking like I've never heard that in my life. <laughs> yeah, she's 31. All six kids got ADD. That that check gonna be crazy. Yeah, you know I mean, but Jesus um, Christ. Just just just, just, just want to tell y'all good morning, man. Listen Come to y'all right man. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep Thank me on my can. toes in the morning and keep doing what y'all doing. I'll call y'all back next week. All right, right my brother. Okay. All right, brother. Y'all. <laughs> This guy with the oh, jokes. different daddies. Hello, who's this? This is December A calling from Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, December A. So your parents tried yes, to name you December and they put it, they tried to make it a little fancy. December Yeah, I was born New Year's Eve, so everybody celebrates my birthday. There you go. True, true. <laughs> well, get it off your chest, mama. All right, I want to get this off my chest. And I'm kind of hoarse this morning because I work like 80 hours a week. Mm-hmm. But I'm tired of these parents that are petitioning the Cobb County School Board to go back to school. These kids out here are going to go through coronavirus just like adults. And they're willing to sign a waiver, a liability waiver, that said they won't hold the school board liable if their children get sick, maimed, or even die for coronavirus. I heard about that. Yeah, I heard about my... my, my, The school system is not the daycare center. That's your responsibility to take care of your own kids and keep your kids safe. And the more I hear they petition these school boards, they're stupid. Yeah, but you know what? I I mean, I'm not bringing my kids to school. I'm not taking my kids to school. But there's a lot of people that have to work and feel like if they have to work, they need their kids to get an education. So they're willing to put their their kids back in school. You can't be mad at that. But that's when the parents need to come together and we need to find a way that we can keep each other's kids. Where's the grandmas? Where's the aunties? Where's the cousins? Not ex- not expect the school to do it. Yeah, it's such a tough position to be in. Um, I think what makes it really bad and heartbreaking is having to sign a waiver that says I'm fine if something happens to my child. If my child dies or something like that, that right there, that's I couldn't even imagine. 
Yeah, I would me never. Too. I'm a mom, and I would never say, "Hey, let my child die so they can go to school." That's nah, to me. I'm that is you. the craziest. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't think that's what that letter says. I think the letter is just that the school is just not taking responsibility. There, you know, I don't, I don't think a school is going to try to kill a kid. I think they're going to do everything possible. But when parents go in and out to back, back and forth to work, a parent could bring that to their child. You know. But, you know, some people don't have the luxury of having grandparents and aunties around. So they, they you know, they, they, they're, they're stuck and they have to do what they have to do. Uh, you know, I'm not taking my kids to school, but some parents don't have that choice. Or some parents feel like it's okay and they're going, you know, they want their kids to get the education. Right. And they are telling you, you don't have to send your kids to school, right? You have the choice to say yes or no. Well, yeah, yes, luckily, Cobb County, County, County said no. They, they agreed everything is going to go virtual as of last night, but there are still parents that still want other teachers to step up and say, we'll do it. And the teachers are saying no. There are even teachers that are taking their own family leave so that they don't have to go back to school. And they shouldn't have to sacrifice family leave because they're scared. They're going to say, I'm going to get coronavirus. I I just can't imagine it. I just just don't understand why all schools don't provide the option. Like, there, there should be an option. There should be an option for kids that, you know, uh, for parents who don't feel comfortable bringing their children to school, whether it's online, classes, something. Like, at least give them the option. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. I'm telling. I'm telling. Hey, what you doing, man? I'm telling. I'm calling call you. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? What's good with you, Envy? Hey, what's up, bro? Chilling, chilling. What's good, Charlotte, man? What's good, Yee? Peace, King. What's How good? you doing, my brother? It's been a long time, long time, man. The world crazy out here. I know y'all seen that fight the other day uh, down here in Hollywood at the Hard Rock. Mm-mm. What fight? Man, some Spanish people, they tore that place up. A bunch of young Spanish dudes, like, it was probably some dudes in their 20s. They were fighting girls. They were fighting guys. They were throwing stuff. It was nah, crazy. That was like a melee. Mm-hmm. It's all over the internet right now. You could check it out. Hey, but also, I wanted to tell y'all, Charlamagne, y'all been out of the office. I wanted to send y'all my second book. It's called The New Man, Role Reversal, The Rise of Feminism and the Fall of Masculinity by Gary McDonald. I want y'all to check that out. I want to send it to you, but y'all out of the office. Send it anyway. Yeah, send it. We'll be back we'll, in the we'll, office one day. Yeah, send it up. Yeah, one day. We got, we got to sign a death waiver to come back into the office. They might make us. <laughs> you joking. They, they might make did, us. But yeah. Thank you, brother. Hello, who's this? Good morning. This is Katrina. Hey, I'm Katrina. Sorry. Get it off your chest. I'm calling because I'm just at a loss for words about how they're sending the kids back to school. I feel like it's too early. I have three kids of my own, and I'm not sending mine back. It has put me in a situation where I just got a promotion at, a new, at my job. I've been there for three years, and I finally climbed up the ladder to where I want to be. But now they have this pandemic going on. It's not safe. When the kids come at home just to, with colds all the time, you know, they're never really washing their hands like that at school. There's no one to, ver- to ensure that they have masks on all day. And yeah. who's to say that I, the teachers don't have the corona? So no, it's, it's like right. I'm putting right. I'm putting in a situation like go to work or stay home and be a home, you know, a teacher. So I have to make yeah. that choice, and it's just it's not right. America is not doing right right now. So I wanted to get that off my chest. 
How old are your I kids? Said, I, I just said that 30 seconds ago. It's a, it's, it shows how effed up America really is, even more so than the school. Yes. How old are your kids, Mama? Yes. I have a 9-year-old and 11-year-old. Mm-hmm. And my third one, she's 16 years old. Yeah, so what are you going to do about your job and your promotion? Thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm doing logistics, and I mean, it seems like I only be, will be doing it for a little while because I'm going to have to be a home, you know, homeschooling. Right. I'm not sending I mean, my kids a, back. So it's like I came up and there's no age for us. They don't they don't talk about mm-hmm. that. What are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine no parents choosing their job over the well-being of their kids because you're going to work to feed those kids. If those kids are dead, <laughs> what's the point? You know, if those kids get exactly. extremely sick, like what's the point? I can't I can't imagine anybody being put in a position where they go they got to choose their job over their kids and they're going to choose their job. I can't see that. Right. And and school starts next week. Lord have mercy. Next week. So I just wanted to get that off my chest, and I hope parents just be safe and reconsider sending their kids to school. All right. Thank you, Mama. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. And see, that's that's some of the choices people got to make. You know, do do I work and financially support my family or say I can't work and stay at home? And I don't know. If if any 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 parent... Any any parent is probably is is ninety five percent going to choose the well being of their kids over their job. That's just that's just natural parental instinct, especially the mothers. Yeah, but you know, there's a lot of parents that's out and, and about right now. You know, what I mean, that's out and about and hanging out and going out and this that and the other. A lot of parents are still doing that as well too. I ain't talking about them. <laughs> okay. No, because if, if, if you mean, if, I, you mean if out you and about like just in the clubs and at parties and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, because if you are we talking parent, about it, what. We're talking about uh, people who have a better sense of responsibility than that. People who literally next week have to decide whether or not to take their kids to school or to go to work. Not the people that's just out and about partying and having a good time. Yeah, those parents and kids are going to school. Well, get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. We got rumors on the way, Yee? Yes, let's talk about Oprah. She is back on. We'll talk about her new television show. And we'll tell you why Ellen DeGeneres' show is being investigated. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. It's time. She's spilling the tea. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, it looks like congratulations are in order for Drake yet again. He has broke another record. He surpassed Madonna for the most top 10 hits in Hot 100 history. So he just got his 39th and 40th top 10 hits. That's for being featured on DJ Khaled's latest singles, Pop Star, and also Grease, which opened at number three and number eight in the Billboard uh, Hot 100. Well, congratulations, congratulations to, to Aubrey. Yes, yeah, so right below him, Madonna has 38, then the Beatles, 34, Rihanna, 31, Michael Jackson, 30, Mariah, 28, and Stevie Wonder, 28. But he has 40. All right. Yeah, I have a feeling uh, Rihanna's going to break that record if and when she decides to ever put out another album. All right, now Ellen DeGeneres' show, her workplace is under investigation by Warner Media. We've been hearing a lot of things about Ellen DeGeneres and how she's not the nicest person behind the scenes. You know, she's been called out by a few different people on Twitter and other people in the past have said, uh, including comedian Kevin Porter, said that she was one of the meanest people alive. And he Mm -hmm. did a whole uh, viral Twitter thread encouraging anybody who encountered her to come up uh, and respo- respond about their insane stories, and people definitely did. There were thousands of replies. A new staff member was told every day she picks someone different to really hate. It's not your fault. 
just suck it up for the day and she'll be mean to someone else the next day. And that new staffer said they didn't believe it at first, but it did end up being entirely true. So wow. now they're investigating for workplace hostility. And, you know, they said this totally goes against the message that she recites at the end of every show. Be kind to one another. I wonder what exactly do they call me? Because tough doesn't always equate to mean. And I've seen uh, a lot of women who get called uh, mean. No, there's a difference between a guy, tough and mean. They would just be getting called, you know, a boss. A no, there's boss. a difference so between I, tough and mean. And but that's, what I, that's why I asked. I wonder what yeah. they call me. Like, what do they call I, me? And I think there's if there's enough people saying it, and not even just people at her staff, but... You know, there's stories about her going to restaurants and complaining about a person's nails that was serving them and just, you know, all kinds of weird things. So. Let me ask you, Charlamagne, you worked what, with what Wendy Williams. Was she tough or mean or, or neither? Um, I, I would say she was tough. Okay, Wendy was a perfectionist. She, she operated on a high level, and she wanted that from everyone around her. So it's certain things that I'm sure some people would consider mean, you know, yelling, screaming, cursing. At, at, at people, but I, I just considered it tough. She was mean to guests for sure, though. Like, actual ask, celebrities who came on the show, but but to those of us who worked for her, I would say just tough. Ask me. Ask me. Was Miss Jones, used to work for Miss Jones. Correct. Uh, was Miss Jones mean or tough? C. Both. She was mean <laughs> and she was tough. <laughs> she was both. Okay. Both. Okay. I want to say both. My answer is C. It's hard for me to call Wendy mean, though, because hurt people hurt people. You know what I'm saying? And when I look back on the situation and what <laughs> nah, she was going through and everything she had to endure, uh, you know, in her, in her married life, I, I can understand why she would she would possibly be seen as coming off mean to certain people. Yeah. Well, she would, when, it, when it came to people who worked with her, she was tough. When it came to those guests who came on the show and other celebrities that she was talking about, mean. Yeah, well, Ms. Jones was both. She was both. She, I mean, it made me tougher, but she was both mean and tough. She didn't play about her ish. All right, well, Oprah's coming back to television since we're talking about TV. Uh, so she's going to be doing her own show now, and it's going to be taking on racism. It's a new TV discussion series for Apple TV, The Oprah Conversation, which debuts July 30th. And it's basically talking with white people about racism and bringing humanity back to the conversation, according to Oprah. Okay. Yeah, so I'm sure a lot of people will have missed her having her own daytime talk show. But her magazine, oh, the Oprah magazine, is actually not going to be available in print anymore. They said they're going digital. So that's uh, the brand celebrating 20 years of, oh, they're thinking about what's next. They said the partnership and the brand are not going away. It's a natural next step for the brand. It'll be more digitally centric. Okay. For all the Oprah fans out there. And, you know, I just wanted to bring this up since we've been talking about what's happening with schools and people having to sign a waiver to send their kids to school. Emirates, the airline, has a new strategy. They need some passengers uh, to get on their flights in the midst of this pandemic. You know, they, they are only operating at 10% right now. So what they've decided to do is they're going to cover medical expenses, pay for quarantine costs, and hotel rooms, everything for up to two weeks. And if the worst happens, if you happen to die, they'll also pay for your funeral. Oh, and great. That Thanks. is available for travel <laughs> between now and October 31st. They said it's valid for 31 days from the moment that you take your first flight. And it covers you even if you travel to another city. So they'll be covering that insurance for you to try to encourage people who are scared to travel to travel. Oh, that's, that's nice of them. Thanks for covering my funeral. I'm good. <laughs> like, I'm good. As soon as I see that death wave, I'm cool. I don't think there's no way I got to be that bad. I'll be all right. 
All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor reports. All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now we got front page news coming up. Yes, and let's talk about this next round of stimulus packages. We'll tell you what they've decided. Also, is there a coronavirus vaccine that'll be coming out sometime soon? We'll tell you what drug is in phase three. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? Well, let's start with Mitch McConnell unveiling the Heels Act with $1,200 stimulus checks. Another round of those can be expected. They said it'll cost about $1 trillion. And they'll also be giving a liability shield to businesses and funds to schools. It caps at 70% of pre-pandemic pay. That is the federal unemployment insurance supplement that lapsed last week. So according to this acronym, HEALS is Health, Economic Assistance, Liability, and Schools. So right now, what they are saying is uh, adults earning up to $75,000. Again, they get the full $1,200, but adults earning more would get smaller amounts. And then when you get up to $99,000, you don't get anything. And they also are giving $500 payment for adult or child dependents. So not just if you have kids, but also if you take care of an adult. Okay. Yes, that's beautiful. And I'm going to tell you something else, man. Um, they, sh- they should pay for parents that have to stay home and homeschool their children. There should be some type of payment for parents who have to, I don't know, quit their job or take a leave of absence from their job or something in order to stay home because they don't feel safe sending their kids back to school. They should get some type of payment for that as well. Mm-hmm. Some type of help, absolutely. All right, now let's talk about a coronavirus vaccine in the U.S., the first phase three clinical trial of a coronavirus vaccine started yesterday. So this investigational vaccine was developed by a company called Moderna. It's a biotech company and the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. So according to Moderna, the trial is to be conducted at nearly 100 U.S. research sites and will enroll about 30,000 adult volunteers. It evaluates the safety, of course, of the Moderna Uh, vaccine and whether it can prevent symptomatic COVID-19 after two doses, among other outcomes. They said that the side effects are minimal. It had mild side effects like fatigue, chills, headache, muscle pain, and pain at the injection site. Well, you first. Okay? Tell me about (laughs) it. All right? Enough of y'all go out there and take it so me and mine don't have to. Okay? Do your thing. Yeah, I'm with you. And you know, they're in phase three. Phase one is a a small number of people, and they see if it's safe. Then in phase two, they expand the study, and that vaccine is given to people who have characteristics like age and physical health. And now in phase three, the vaccine is given to thousands of people and tested uh, for safety. So we said it's going to be about 30,000 people in this phase three trial. Well, you know, I I thought I seen something in Atlanta where they were at phase four, and they were interviewing a woman last night on... on, um, one of these shows, and it was like, you know, she feels good. She feels like she's helping, but she didn't know if she got the vaccine or the placebo. She wasn't sure. They don't tell them. So, but they were, I think well, they were in phase the first, four. Well, this is the first phase three uh, study and development in the U.S. of COVID, mm. uh, COVID-19 vaccine. And now Pfizer also has an experimental coronavirus vaccine, and they got the FDA nod for advanced trials in the U.S. as well. So uh, they said uh, their I vaccine is slightly different. Was it, was it mm-hmm. flavored? It comes in flavors. How's it uh, they're also including up to 30,000 participants, but they said that theirs uses an experimental approach that employs genetic material to stimulate an immune response against a key part of the coronavirus. 
I know that phase thing hasn't worked out too well. Okay, they had phases to reopen the country. I think we're on phase 19 now in a lot of these places, and it doesn't look too good, guys. And, and, and it's still not open. New York, New Jersey area, you, you still can't go inside to eat or in a restaurant yet, so it's still a little crazy. I don't know nothing about no phases. Phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four doesn't work is what I need to know. All right, clearly these phases, things ain't working. All right, Staples is requiring all customers to wear masks in their stores, and Walmart will not enforce their rules on wearing masks because they fear that the staff could be attacked by shoppers who are angry that they're being challenged, you know, people who try to come in the store without a mask on, and then they attack the employees there. So they want to avoid physical confrontations, but staff members have been instructed to still serve people who refuse to wear one. Walmart, cut the BS. Walmart can afford armed security at the door that's letting people know you can't come in without a mask on. And ain't nobody going to beef with the armed security at the door, so knock it off. Don't even, you don't even got to put your employees in that position, Walmart, okay? That is true. Don't make me, don't, Walmart is a billion-dollar corporation. They can afford to have armed security at the door having people reinforce, uh, enforce the mask law, so stop it. All right, and Google is adopting their work from home until at least July of 2021. That's what a, a person familiar with the matter is saying. Previously, they had said their employees would be working remotely through the end of 2020, but now that has been extended until July of 2021, and that was sent out in an email to employees. Oh, I think that's going to be the new normal in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of these uh, businesses have realized they don't got to spend all this money on brick and mortar. And it's going to be a lot of working from home from a lot of these companies real soon. I wouldn't be surprised Absolutely. if they got rid of their buildings all together and just had like one office somewhere. All right. Well, that is your front page news. Now, when we come back, Romney Malco will be joining us. We'll kick it with him when we come back. So don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest on the line, Romany Melko. Welcome, sir. What's up, folks? Welcome. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here, as usual. Well, congratulations, now, first and foremost, for having the movie, Tijuana Jackson. I know you've been talking about this movie for such a long time, but you wrote it, directed it, starred in it, edited it, did everything, right? That's right. I had to. Yeah, I really did. And I'm, I'm glad that I did, too. Why were you committed to doing it yourself like that? Doing everything? Um, because the character's raw. The characters, you know, the, the, the things that I say on the YouTube channel kind of, at some point, got the whole channel demonetized. They stopped, YouTube stopped sending out stuff because it was so controversial. Really? And that's the, yeah. And there's this, I've been doing that character on YouTube for, for at least 12 years. And that's the whole thing, the, the irony with Hollywood is what they'll do is they'll tell you to tone down the language so that they can, you can reach a broader audience, but then they'll turn around and say that because it's a black lead, we can only distribute it to uh, urban America. So there's like this contradiction of like watering down your product to deliver your product to the people that you made it for. So um, it, was, it, was, it was important, at least for me, in this era of like how digital plat, you know, all these different digital platforms to try to at least take a shot at actual ownership. Well, let's talk about Tijuana Jackson for those who may not have been watching the YouTube for the past 12 years. Like, like who is Tijuana Jackson? What's, what's your vision for him? My vision for him is this. I created the character really because I wanted to, I want to educate a demographic of people who were not afforded this education. They grew up in the same hood that I grew up in, grew up in the same communities, the same dysfunction I grew up in, never learned about finance, never learned about personal mm-hmm. development. 
never learned about the preservation of wealth. And I was like, I'm going to use, I'm, people look at me and they're like, he's so, Romney's so damn corny, they won't listen to me. But if I created this character who was funny and, over, and like just kind of like overly abrasive, I felt like people would connect better because they wouldn't really be judging me while listening to it. And it just mm. took off. Within like two episodes online, the New York Times did a full write-up. This is back in the day. And then mm. people started catching on. And then some dude ripped one of the videos and put it on World Saw. He thought it was a real dude. And then it just <laughs> kind of continued to blow <laughs> right. after that. Now, TJ gives some amazing advice. As we can see, he's a motivational speaker, right? And uh, the movie, I guess the way the movie starts is he's in jail. He comes home and he decides what he wants to do in life is be a motivational speaker and give advice to people. But you have to figure out how to make money from something like that. Now, who are some motivational speakers, right, that have influenced you? Um, I, honest to God, can't tell you one motivational speaker. Really? Genuinely. E.T., though. Yeah. Eric Thomas, Eric Thomas, the, the hip-hop preacher, Eric Thomas, he's a great motivational speaker. speaker. No, no, he is, and he's got his own style. I don't, I don't know if anybody can be a motivational speaker, but I do know that there's a lot of gurus out there that are hilarious and, like, <laughs> self-proclaimed gurus, and that's what inspired the whole character was the fact that, like, yo, it's almost as if you've got, like, the most dysfunctional people in the world giving advice to people. And I was like, there's an opportunity to take advantage of that because I love the irony. So the irony here is you got the most institutionalized dude in the world trying to tell you how to liberate yourself. And so mm -hmm. in this weird way, I think it's a mirror of everybody because we all, to some degree, are preaching what we most need to learn. Right. Well, what's interesting about the TJ character, most brothers in jail do learn to liberate themselves mentally. So their body is trapped physically but mentally and emotionally, they have to take themselves someplace else in order just to get by. So he's not really institutionalized up here because his mind has been someplace else for a long time. Well, okay. That, damn, Charlemagne. That's, okay, so let me explain where I, how I see that, okay? I believe that he had to create uh, a, a, an alternative reality in order to be able to sustain his dreams while he was in the inside, right? Mm -hmm. But I also believe that Sadly, the process for that, he's so out of touch with the real world, the process for getting there is, uh, is missing. He doesn't really understand it. So when he comes outside and he's finally out and free and pursuing his dream, he's running all of these, a lot of these stumbling blocks, but, mm -hmm. but they're, kind of, they're self-created. He did it himself. So, the, that, which, by the way, I just want to say, if y'all don't know nothing about the movie, it stars me, Regina Hall, who plays his probation officer, and the, the, the movie's kind of like a metaphor for... And Tammy like, Roman. Also, and Tammy Roman and Alcoya mm -hmm. Brunson, but Tammy Roman is uncomfortably real in this movie. It's, it's uncomfortably real. I'm so glad I cast her, but the, 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 the point that I'm trying to make is, is that you look at this character and you learn about what it really means to be on probation. You learn what it means for your, what it costs for your family to call you when you're at home. You mm -hmm. get to see the real deal. But you mm -hmm. also understand that the system is really set up to disenfranchise you even more once you become a felon. And right. so he's got these big dreams for this alternate reality that he's created for himself on the inside. But when he gets out, the system's like, nah, nah, nah. So his probation officer is taking him to, 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 to fill out these 99, fill out applications at the 99 cent store. He's trying to figure out how to become a world renowned life coach. If he doesn't mm -hmm. get employed, he goes back to jail. That's the stipulation of his parole. So, you know, 
as funny as it is, that's what a lot of people are dealing with when they are inside, uh, when they get outside the joint. You know, there was one part where, you know, when he was saying, hey, I want to be a motivational speaker. And she was like, yeah, OK. Like, all right, you want me to type that down? But I was saying I got a, a, a couple of family members that when they come home, they don't want to go to the 99 cent store. They don't want to go work at Home Depot because they have bigger dreams, but then they're forced to. And then what winds up happening is they don't want to go to work, you know, because that's not their dream. And they're forced to. And then what happens when they're late? Then they have to go back back to the, the halfway house. And that's the same circle that they go over and over. They don't allow people who's been sitting there for a while to say, hey, this is my dream. Let me try my dream. But they force them to go to these jobs that they necessarily don't love, necessarily don't want to do. And they wind up going in that same circle over and over and over again. They come, and that's the whole point of the movie right there is showing you how a dude is trying to navigate around the system to pursue his dream and do it in a comical way, but just trying to educate people to be a bit more empathetic because mm-hmm. I honestly feel like, man, when I watched that videotape of Bashar Brooks, when he was just talking about, you know, I've made some mistakes. I'm trying to get back up on my feet. Don't look at me like an animal. I got dreams too. I felt like I was seeing Tijuana Jackson in that dude that it, it gave me chills. It made me so uncomfortable, but that's the reality. And I feel like by watching the movie, people are going to have like a better understanding and hopefully more empathy. Cause you know, the reason I even, the reason a dude like me even knows about this is because growing up in the hood, my fam, my friends, my, you know, my, my homies, like their brother or somebody would get out of prison. Right. And then you don't realize it, but it's not just the system that ostracizes them. The family, the community kind of ostracizes mm-hmm. them too. People don't want, you know, your kids hanging out with them and all this other stuff. So I'd always be the dude who was just too soft to turn my back on a brother, and I'd end up hanging out with them, going on double dates I ain't had no business being on, mm-hmm. dropping them off at places <laughs> I ain't had no business being, you know, that kind of shit. And I kind of really started learning and understanding and developing this empathy that I probably might not have had otherwise. All right, we got more with Romney Malco. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Everybody, it's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking in with Romney Malco. Charlemagne? I don't want to give the movie away, but I do like the realization TJ came through towards the end, you know, because he kind of realized that his motivation only applies to him, but he realized in order for it to be effective, it would have to, he'd have to be selfless. And there was one line, man, that put it all in perspective. It was when TJ said, when you have to beg a man twice your size to wear a condom, it doesn't do anything for your self-esteem. I had to rewind that because I was like, what the f*** did he just say? <laughs> but, but in perspective, it makes so much sense. When you got to beg a man twice your size to wear a condom, it doesn't do anything for your self-esteem. <laughs> Sound like you're speaking from personal experience, Charlemagne. Jeesh. There's a lot of little funny gems in this movie, so as you can yep. see. But listen, I do want to commend you because I know this has been something that you've been working on for so long. How long did it take you to actually start writing this movie and then get to this finished product? Because it is available July 31st on demand, right? And on Apple TV? Apple TV is going to be on um, Amazon Prime. It's going to be on uh, Voodoo, Fandango Now, pretty VOD. Pretty much any video on demand, you can get it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I would say that when I really got serious and said this is going to happen, it probably took me about five, six years total. And um, I'm not going to lie. There was a moment where I kind of started feeling like I was being seduced by Hollywood and the possibilities of some prominent black producers in Hollywood who I will not name were expressing mad interest 
calling every day, or, you know, reading the script over and over. And I thought, damn, you know, these, these brothers might get it. You know what I'm saying? But in the end, I was living in Puerto Rico, and I just kind of had this realization that it was like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of Hollywood side chick right now. Because I was hearing all these promises, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to leave, and we're going to get a house. And I never really got that commitment from Hollywood. And I realized I was wasting a lot of time by doing that. And when I really gave it thought, I had to sit down and figure out how I was going to make the best product possible. And that's when I decided to start a crowdfunding campaign. My manager called me when I started that crowdfunding campaign. And he said, hey, fam, I'm not, I don't think you should do this. I said, why not? He goes, you know we can get the money. you got interest. He goes, and it's not a good look for you to be an established actor to be asking fans for money. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, what? What? You think I'm an established actor? So that was <laughs> <laughs> you know I was like, I'd assume that by now we'd have raised something. No? And he was like, hmm. So we ended up having a little bit more of a talk. And what I ended up doing was I ended up putting in some of my own money, mm-hmm. starting the crowdfunding campaign. And, and what we, the analogy we came up with is sometimes you've got to start your own party, put the music on, Pour yourself a drink, get on the dance floor by yourself, and then send out the invitations. And that's that's basically what I did. So how did Will Packer and James Lopez become the EPs then? Because when I saw that, I was like, well, I thought Romney did this himself. But then I saw them as the EPs. It gave it that Hollywood feel. Oh, man, I lied. I lied. I, I, I thought y'all didn't know that. I'm playing. No, the real reason <laughs> that Will Packer... <laughs> what? <laughs> no, uh... After I made the movie, I made, I shot, wrote, directed the movie, everything, put my own money, financed the whole thing. After I made the movie, I never really was concerned about being in Sundance. I was never really concerned about being in, like, Tribeca or all these prestigious film festivals. I really wanted to take the movie to the places where people had contributed money. So that ended up being, like, Florida, Nashville, you know, uh, 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 Brooklyn, you know? And one of those places was Atlanta. And so... Atlanta Film Festival was like, yo, we'll feature your film there. We won't, you know, we won't have you compete, but we would love to feature your film. And they had this, uh, they just remodeled this theater, had 390 seats, we packed it out, and the president of World Packer Production showed up, James Lopez, saw it. And afterwards, he was like, you got that performance out of Tammy? I was like, well, Tammy kind of came with, um, you got that performance out of, out, out of Regina? I was like, well, Regina showed up with a, wait a minute, you wrote this whole thing? Yeah, you produced it? Yeah. And he was like, all right, cool. So maybe like, it couldn't have been like, but a week later, I'm driving across Daytona, Florida, up to, to Daytona, Florida to see my nephew graduate from flight school. I get a phone call from Will Packett like 11 o'clock at night. Him and, um, he, he just watched it because uh, the president just showed it to him. And he was like, look, dude, I, I can't believe it. I'm really proud of you. And um, I want to help you sell this film. And he came on board and that was like, one of the biggest blessings just because of the game that I've sucked up is the, the conversations you hear when you're operating as an executive producer versus act, operating as an actor for hire. How much did it cost to make that full film? I, I probably spent about $400,000. Wow. But wow, that's amazing. You didn't have to pay yourself. <laughs> so I, that helps. Know, I paid myself I paid myself with equity. You know, the, the, mm-hmm. one of the biggest blessings of the whole shit, I always... I've been peeping the game. You know how Pac said I peeped the weakness in the rap game and sold it? Well, I feel like I peeped the weakness in, like, as particularly, you know, the film industry, but I ain't sold it yet, right? Because this is my first one. But mm-hmm. what I have peeped is that if you really listen to, like, 
the, you know, the, the issues that a lot of people have with Hollywood. One is they, they have an issue with the creative accounting. So meaning they're always being told, well, you know, they ain't no more money. You know, uh, I, I read this book called uh, Down and Dirty uh, Hollywood or something like that. And they were talking about the Weinsteins and, 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 and how Ben Affleck and, 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 and um, got done for Goodwill Hunting and stuff like that. And I really took note of that. So I was like, okay. So I also met with, you know, the Key and Peele brothers. I met with them before he had made the, his, um, his hit. And I was like talking to them and they're like, if we could figure out a way to get rid of this advertisement cost, this P&A, to be mm-hmm. sometimes 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars, we could create a direct you know, to consumer connection. And that's what I always, I started aspiring to do, keeping it at a low price point and getting just enough star power that you can actually sell, incentivize a distributor to pick up the film was key for me. And, um, and then the other thing was, I was like, well, you know, we got this digital distribution. Let me tell y'all, let me tell y'all something. Okay. There was no way in the world that I could predict coronavirus, COVID-19. There was no way. But when we were, when we were dealing with distributors, the way that the deal normally goes is you give up the lion's share of the film to distributors, and then they put your film in a friggin' uh, in, in, in a bunch of theaters, right? And then you get a cut once they have recouped all their money. Not knowing nothing that was going to happen in the future, I was like, no, 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 we ain't doing that. We ain't doing that. So uh, the distributor said, okay, I'll tell you what. What if we facilitated the deal? What if we just facilitated? Meaning we'll help you position your, your movie, We'll take a very, very small percent, but we won't be putting up a whole bunch of money for, for marketing and all this stuff, right? Because, honestly, they never do. And, dude, shortly after we said okay and we got our contract, COVID-19 hit. So just imagine, I would have gave up the lion's share of my movie mm-hmm. to be put in theaters when it's impossible now. There's no theaters, right? Limited to, yeah, we'd have been limited to a digital release anyway. And... No, little to no marketing. So I really feel like this is a this was like kind of serendipitous, and I think that I've been asking for this for a long time, and it, it just kind of happened where I ended up being able to maintain ownership and also kind of market on major platforms. So I feel I feel very lucky. All right, now keep it locked. We got more with Romney Malco when we come back. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking in with Romney Malco. Charlemagne? I feel like the movie was like a pilot to me. It, it set it up it like works. a pilot. I think, it, I think it should go. I think it would be a better series. But, but you, you mentioned your nephew in real life. Was he inspiration for your nephew in the film? Little Eric? Um, no, no, Little Eric. No, no, no. He was, you know, honestly, man, he was kind of like me when I was a kid rolling around with my dad. My dad's mm-hmm. one of the most street dudes I ever met. You know, he, my dad came, my dad came to Brooklyn and bought Trinidad with him, fam. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so he would hustle and drive taxis with no certification. He was my, my, my dad was a hustler, and I kind of always felt like I was riding shotgun with TJ. So you know, little Eric was really me. But I'm so excited that you said you felt like it was the pilot because that's kind of the point. That's the goal. The goal now is to actually be able to go forward and make the Tijuana Jackson TV show. And every single person, when Regina Hall showed up, I never forget, she just looked at me and she's like, she looked around, she did a couple scenes, she was like, this is going to series, Ron. This is going to series. Tammy Roman was the first person to say, she goes, when you ready to learn how to make money on this, let me know. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, okay. Because, uh, you know, she's a businesswoman, hands down. And 
her acting is uncomfortably real through this. I swear to everything. And so that's the goal, Charlamagne. So I, I, I thank you for that because that is the goal. I was going to ask Regina Hall, you know, what was the process of getting her involved in this film? Man, you know, I ain't going to lie. Don't, man, I don't want to incriminate. I'm going to just gunpoint, fam. Gunpoint. True, true, true. She has the Prius. She leaves the door open. I crawl into the back of that shit. And when she was driving to work, I popped up on her like, I, I, I really had been telling her about it for years. And she kept mm -hmm. saying, I want to play a hood bitch. I want to play a hood bitch. <laughs> and I was like, for real? So um, what, what I did was I just basically wrote it in a way uh, that I felt like it would be appealing to her. And then rather than just say, take this job, I went to her and said, I want your notes. You need your notes on this job. Mm. And the, she read it and called me and was like, what's wrong with you, baby? What's wrong with you? Did this come out of your head? This is you. You wrote this? I'm like, yeah. You ain't right, baby. You need to talk to somebody? And I was like, no. She goes, yo, I definitely want to do this. And I also think that this character should have more slang. Uh, well, since, since there's been a Tijuana Jackson, there's a real-life version of TJ out here in these streets right now. I don't know if you know Wallow from Philadelphia. He did 20 years, and he's home now. He's like a life coach, motivational speaker. Uh, are, are you familiar with Wallow? I am not. I, I'm familiar with a few brothers who've gotten out the joint and become motivational speakers, but I'm not, I'm not familiar with Wallow. Okay. But did you speak to somebody who actually went through that, like, you know, before you shot the movie or anything? No, I spoke to a lot of brothers who was in the joint, and you just reminded me I got to call my boy, A.D. I got to call my boy, A.D. I feel so bad. My boy called me, like, days ago, and I called him back. Um, you know, I don't know if you've seen the behind-the-scenes video, but we had a lot of brothers who would serve time on set. You know, mm -hmm. helping me understand the process of the halfway mm -hmm. house, helping me understand what it's, you know, doing 19 years, what that means. And um, I, but none of them had ever really become motivational speakers or anything or, 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 or that process. No. Oh, and gotcha, the gotcha. I did, you got to You got to talk to Paulo. <laughs> let, let me tell you why I didn't do that. I didn't want nobody saying I stole these stories. Right. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's, it's a you've been doing thing. this for a lot, but you've been doing this character for such a long time. I don't know how anyone could say that now. I'm sure people still no, said that. I'm sure people still said you stole this story. I'm sure that, that that's popped up. I had a couple of people say that, oh, man, my boy said you stole this story. I was like, thank God the social proof exists. I've been doing this character right. since 99. Mm -hmm. I've been recording this character since 99. And then I've been online with this character since 2007. You can go back to MySpace and find Tijuana Jackson. No, and, and I forgot right. to tell Wallow that because Wallow did say that to me. Wallow sent me the trailer <laughs> for this movie, and Wallow said, "Yo, this is my story, yo. You do stole my story." And I, I was, I, I was like, "Damn!" I said, "But nobody could do it like you, Wallow, because you actually went through it." But then it, it, it did hit me like, "Yo, you have been doing this character for a long, over long, twenty long, years." Long time. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, I have. And look, man, you know, I swear to God, I didn't really make this character to make money. I was doing this shit because I really was like, I want to reach these people. Like, the same way nobody reached my ass. Nobody came to me and said, hey, fam, uh, I know it seems crazy, but when you think of buying a house, you don't got to come up with all the money for the house right away. Right. Or, mm -hmm. yo, dude, you know, I understand that people have done you wrong, but if you carry that shit around, it'll age you from the inside out. You got to figure out a way to at least understand the that the people that hurt you were most, most likely hurt as well and probably still That's in right. pain. And, like, mm -hmm. no one told me that. So I was like, how am I going to communicate that to these kids, man, when, you know, you know how it is. How am I going to communicate that to these kids when 
America is set up, and I'm so blessed because I went to school in Trinidad and Tobago, and I went to school in the United States of America. And I'm going to tell you something that really stood out is that in the Caribbean, even if you're poor, you still get a quality education. In the yeah. United States of America, yo, your, your, your class and your income dictates the quality of education that you receive. And, like, that stood out. And so knowing that these communities, it's like they're purposely keeping the game from you, knowing that they're purposely trying to keep you ignorant, knowing that they purposely don't want you to know the etiquette of, of, of pursuing investors, knowing that they don't want you to know the etiquette of just simply managing the work, you know, a work environment, you remain, you remain basically doing the menial jobs. You remain uneducated right. and kind of, you know, ostracized. And so the game was from the beginning with the scackle just to kind of, to help turn people on and stuff. And here's, here's the irony of that shit. So I'm doing this to help these kids. And I call them kids, but they was like, you know, young adults. Help, trying to help them have a bigger vision for themselves. They turned around and told me I needed to make a movie with this character. It had never crossed my mind. Not only did they tell me I should make a movie with the character, they told me to start a crowdfunding campaign and that they would finance it. And I did. And they did. So it turns out I'm sitting there trying to tell them how to, how to grow life coaching them and they turn around and life coach me basically coaching, yeah. and give me a big vision for myself, which is one of the reasons I say that line in the movie, you know, you got to ask yourself why not in the joint to see a bigger a future for you than you can see for yourself. That's, That's right. kind of where that came from. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Romney, we appreciate you for checking in and definitely go check it out. August 31st. Go see it. Now, where can people see it again? I think it's July 31st. Yeah, July 31st. I mean, yo, Friday, you can see this. Sh- I'm well, sorry, I can get too comfortable with y'all. Friday, 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 you can see this movie on iTunes, Apple TV, um, Google Play, Amazon, uh, Voodoo, Fandango, and pretty much any video on demand, even like cable, like some cable outlets will, will let you get it. And, you know, God willing, man, y'all, y'all appreciate it. Romney, um, thank you, man. Yeah, man. Yo. Peace, King. Hey, thanks for giving this little independent film like this, this major platform, y'all. And I really appreciate y'all, dude. It's, it's crazy, but... Uh, Y'all, y'all like regular listening now, man. You, y'all have grown a lot, and I feel like I've grown with you. So thank you, fam. Love you, all right, Megan Thee Stallion, after having not said anything for the past two weeks since being shot in her foot, and we don't know exactly what happened, she took to her Instagram Live, and she talked about getting shot two times and needing surgery. I was shot in both of my feet, and I had to get surgery to get the taken out, get the bullets taken out. And it was super scary. And it's not funny. There's nothing to joke about. It was nothing for y'all to start going and making up fake stories about. <laughs> I didn't put my hands on nobody. I didn't deserve to get shot and do shit. And thank God that the bullets didn't touch bones. They didn't break tendons. I know my mama, my daddy, my granny had to be looking out for me with that one. It's a damn shame she has to explain why she didn't deserve to get shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it is difficult that all these people were making jokes and having nasty things to say and thinking it was funny. I saw the 50 Cent posted, damn, I didn't think this ish was real. It sounded so crazy. I'm glad you're feeling better and I hope you can accept my apology. I posted a meme that was floating around. I wouldn't have done that if I knew you was really hurt. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's a damn shame she has to explain why she didn't deserve to get shot. It's a damn shame she feels like she has to explain anything. 
uh, message to everyone out there listening, celebrity or otherwise. You don't owe anybody on social media nothing. Your life is not these people's entertainment. Don't think for one second you have to get online and tell people what's going on in your world because guess what? If you're happy, they're going to find a way to steal your joy. And if you're sad, they're going to make it worse. F those people. Prayers yeah, up but for Megan right. Thee Stallion. Megan yeah, Thee Stallion also... It seems like that she's just trying to let her fans know that she's okay. You know what I mean? She has a lot of people that ride for her, been praying for her. So I think that's what that's what that was all about. Well, she I also went it. on to talk about how she was not ready to talk at first, and that's why it's taken this long for her to even say anything. And it's not that I'm, I was protecting anybody. I just wasn't ready to speak. That's not no shit you just immediately get on the Internet and start talking about. Imagine being 25, and you don't, you don't have both your parents... My mama was my best friend. She, you know, I'm still really not over that. So you like, you kind of try to fill like your space with a bunch of people that you think is making you happy. You know, and you know, I've been now. saying that ever since her mom passed away. I just feel like, you know, she. That's a difficult thing. That was her best friend, her manager. Her mom was with her all the time. So that's mm-hmm. not something that you just can just move on from and not have any right. effect from. You don't have to talk now, Megan. You don't owe anybody anything, not even your fans. The only thing you owe, the only person you owe is yourself to heal, okay? Not just physically from them gunshot wounds, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually, okay? Go find a therapist or somebody to talk to. F these people on social media. Because the joke's just going to keep coming. I saw people making jokes last night. Really? More? Yes. Man, you think, you think people have sympathy for you when you get online? Come on, man. They like to see you miserable. They like to see you upset. They don't like. They don't want you out here living your life like it's golden. Please, they have. They are happy that Megan The Stallion got shot. People, man, misery loves company. You better believe that, especially online. All right, now Kendrick Perkins has some things to say about Lou Williams going out and leaving the NBA bubble. He had an excused absence, right, to go to a funeral, but then he stopped by Magic City, and he got some, uh, you know, he got some backlash for that. So Kendrick Perkins is one person who feels like that was irresponsible. Here's what he said. I didn't been to Major City, the wings of fire. But in this case, in all seriousness, come on, Lou Will, you got to do better, man. Lou Will is a 16-year vet. He knows better. He should know how to be more mature. You got a guy that's a rookie in Zion Williamson who left for a family issue, and he handled it way better than Lou. Man, I can't believe people are still talking about this. If it was not a script club, nobody would care. If he stopped at KFC, Popeyes, Zaxby's, nobody would even be talking about this. People go to the script club to eat. Okay, it's been happening since the beginning of time. Knock it off, man. The man was grieving, and he wanted to stop somewhere. He felt comfortable going to Magic City. That's his favorite place to eat. He got something to eat, probably got to smile a little bit, and he went home. Let the man live. Now, Kendrick Perkins tweeted out, it's disturbing when a rookie in Zion Williamson can act more mature than NBA vet Lou Williams. That's because Zion Williamson also had an excused absence, and he said you didn't hear anything about him. Now, Lou Will responded on Twitter and said, 15 years in this business, and the most dirt you have on my name is stopping to get hot wings during a pandemic. Perk, shut up and stop laughing and saying it's just TV when you run into me, too. And then he said, but I digress. I went home to see a man off to his final resting place that was a giant in my life. I don't want that to get lost in all this attention. So again, long live the great Paul Williams Sr. Back to my quarantine so I can join the guys soon. Peace. Oh, listen. Zion Williamson ain't had the wings at Magic City yet. He's stupid. All right? As soon as Zion gets to Atlanta and gets to taste them goddamn wings in Magic City, let's see how mature he is as well. Okay. All right, well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Charlemagne, what are you giving your donkey yes, to? Sir. 
Uh, I need Tom Cotton. Okay, he's a senator. Um, I need him to come to the front of the congregation. We'd like to have a word with him, please. All right, we'll get to that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. It's time for Donkey of the Day. Donkey of the Day, ask Charlemagne. I'm a Democrat, so being Donkey of the Day is a little bit of a mixed play. So like a donkey. Yeehaw. Okay. Donkey of the Day. <laughs> the Breakfast Club, bitches. Called a lot in my 23 years, but Donkey of the Day is a new one. Donkey of the Day for Tuesday, July 28th goes to Arkansas Republican Senator Tom Cotton. Oh, I can't tell you how heavy the mayonnaise is on this one, ladies and gentlemen. If you are allergic to that thick, cold white sauce commonly used on sandwiches and hamburgers, then you may not want to listen any further, but we have to get to it. Okay, uh, Tom Cotton has called the enslavement of millions of African people a necessary evil. In fact, he said the necessary evil upon which this country was built. His last name is Cotton. What do you expect? Okay, he wears that name proudly. You'd wear that name proudly, too, if your ancestors were the ones profiting off it, not picking it. All right, Cotton is what prolonged America's most serious social tragedy, slavery. All right, from the 1830s to the 1840s, the common phrase was Cotton is king. So, of course, Tom Cotton feels like slavery was a necessary evil. Now, Henry Louis Gates, Jr., once wrote, cotton was one of the world's first luxury commodities and the commodity whose production most dramatically turned millions of black human beings in the USA themselves into a commodity. Bars! So it's not surprising to me that Tom Cotton would take the stance he took. Now, now Tom Cotton uh, recently introduced the Saving American History Act of 2020. It should be the Saving uh, Americans White History Act of 2020, okay? It prohibits the use of federal funds to teach the 1619 Project, uh, the kindergarten students, uh, and K-12 schools, our school districts, uh, according to a statement from the senator's office. Basically, he doesn't want the truth about how this country was founded to be told. Let's listen to what he had to say. The New York Times should not be teaching American history to our kids, Frank. The 1619 Project is left-wing propaganda. It's revisionist history at its worst. The entire premise of the New York Times factually and historically flawed 1619 Project is that America is at root a systemically racist country to the core and irredeemable. I reject that root branch. America is a great and noble country. And I take it you believe that slavery is an important part of American history. We have to study the history of slavery and its role and impact on the development of our country, because otherwise we can't understand our country. As the founding father said, it was the necessary evil upon which the union was built, but the union was built in a way, as Lincoln said, to put slavery on the course to its ultimate extinction. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, that was not done in a peaceful fashion. <sighs> now, I need to bring light to these kinds of comments because we as a people need to know the unnecessary evil we are up against. And yes, I said unnecessary, okay? It's people like this human jar of Hellman's, Tom Cotton, who stand in the way of the true liberation of black people in this country, who stand in the way of true progress. Now, do you know this man, Tom Cotton, is widely seen as a possible presidential candidate in 2024? Yes, a man who believes slavery was a necessary evil in this country wants to be a leader of the free world. Uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, drop one of Clues Bombs for her. She was awarded this year's Pulitzer Prize for uh, commentary for her introductory essay to the 1619 Project. She tweeted, if slavery, heritable, generational, permanent, race-based slavery, 
where it was legal to rape, torture, and sell human beings for profit was a necessary evil, as Tom Cotton says. It's hard to imagine what cannot be justified if it is a means to an end. Imagine thinking a non-divisive curriculum is one that tells black children the buying and selling of their ancestors, the rape, torture, and forced labor of their ancestors for profit was just a necessary evil. Drop on the clues, boss, Nicole Hannah-Jones again. That is my sentiments. Toast crunch, exactly, okay? Tom Cotton loved slavery. It's really just that simple. He loved slavery. He loved the idea of slavery because his last name is named after the commodity that kept black Americans as a commodity. And that's probably why Tom Cotton obstructs every single criminal justice reform bill in the Senate because he loves seeing people incarcerated because incarceration is simply what? Modern-day slavery. We all know what that 13th Amendment represents. You've seen the documentary by Queen Ava DuVernay, and if you haven't, you should go read it, okay? It's simple. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution provides that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. You commit a crime, you're going back to being a slave. Simple as that. And that's exactly what people like Tom Cotton want. Do some research on the guy. That's all I ask you. Do your Googles. Tom Cotton fought hard against the First Step Act and is the main reason it's not stronger. He also obstructed the Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Protection Act. Last week, he introduced the bill with Senator Kelly Loeffler uh, to create a gang member tracking database. And he's been pushing for enhancements for fentanyl in the federal system forever. He's also a huge warmonger. Okay, remember that time the president wanted to buy Greenland? That came from Tom Cotton. And Tom also calls the pandemic uh, the coronavirus, the Wuhan China virus, just like uh, his president. Listen, man, I'm not intelligent. I'm, I'm just articulate. Read that on YouTube yesterday. Thought that was very accurate about myself. Uh, and, and I pay attention. And I read a little bit. And I have people around me way smarter than me who inform me about these things. People like Tom Cotton would be happy to have us back in chains. Simple as that. If it meant that this country's economy could be stronger. And what's even worse, Tom Cotton has no Democrats running against him for his seat this year. So he will be back in Congress and likely will run for president in 2024. Let's not forget this man's name, okay? So you know who not to vote for, okay? And how can you forget his last name when his last name is literally the reason there was a civil war? His last name is literally the reason black people were, locked, were looked upon as property. To begin with, all right? And I'll even play white devil's advocate with you, Tom Cotton, just for a second. You think slavery was a necessary evil? Okay, I can tell you why it wasn't. I can tell you why it was not a necessary evil. It was just evil. Because even if you say slavery is what built this country, right, which is true, my response would be, what the hell was wrong with your hands, okay? If you came to America to build this country, why not build it your damn self? with the Native Americans and indigenous people that were already here. Nobody told you to kidnap Africans and bring them over here and violently force them to work for you for free. That didn't have to go down like that. You could have put in your own work and treated the Native Americans who were here good and built this country with them, and then we would, we would have all been starting on an equal playing field because we built this country together as opposed to getting a bunch of Africans to build this country for free. It wasn't a necessary evil. It wasn't necessary for you to force us to work for you. That was a choice, all right? Being a slave owner is a choice. Being a violent, murderous rapist is a choice. And so is being a donkey. Tom Cotton, you need to learn to make better choices.
please let Chelsea handle uh, handle my 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 white work. I mean light work. Hee haw, hee haw. That is way too much, Dan Mayonnaise. All right. Well, thank you for that donkey of the day. Yes, indeed. Now, when we come back, let's talk about these kids in school. A lot of people are calling. Are you going to bring your kids, take your kids to school? That is the question. 800-585-1051. I know for some people, school starts in about a week or so. For us, it's in September. But that is the question. Do you feel it's safe? Do you feel like kids should be in school right now? 800-585-1051. We'll take your calls when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Pull out, pull out, pull out your phone. Call in right now. Call me. Add your opinion to the Breakfast Club topic. Break it down. 800-585-1051. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Now, if you just joined us, we got a lot of callers earlier today during Get It Off Your Chest and talking about uh, kids going to school, the school year. So we're asking 800-585-1051. Uh, are you going to allow your kids to go to school this year? Uh, let's start with you, Charlemagne. Um, I don't know. Uh, my daughter is twelve. She has her own instincts, her own intuition. She says she doesn't want to go back. I respect it, but she also has no problem going to cheerleading practice. So if you can go to cheerleading practice and social distance there, and I feel like you can do that in school as well. Um, my soon-to-be five-year-old, she just started school last year, so she didn't even get to finish her first year uh, in in the classroom. So. I don't know. I don't even know how that's going to work out. So I think like a lot of parents, it's just a lot of confusion on what we are going to do. And I also understand my circumstances are not like everyone else's because my wife is a personal trainer. So she works from home and I can afford a nanny. But even with that, the problem is the school my oldest daughter goes to right now is not offering an online option. So I really don't know how this is going to play out. And it says a lot about America that parents are being put in the position where they have to choose their livelihood are the well-being of their kids. You can't even tell a parent to listen to their gut, listen to their instinct in a situation like this because your instinct is to protect your kids. But having a job and providing for your kids is part of that protection. So it's just a terrible spot to be in. So I, to be honest with you, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, my, you know, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. And the reason I say that is because, yeah, my son, he plays football and they have practice. So, I mean, they are practicing. Uh, my daughter is going to NYU, but she's only taking, uh, I think, one class a week where she actually has to go into that class. But the younger kids, the difference with the younger kids, I know at least the older kids, they wear their masks. You know, I can tell them things. I can't expect my, you know, my six-year-old, my seven-year-old or my three-year-old to wear a mask a full day in school. I, I just can't see it. I, I, don't, I don't see it. Um, so it's, it's about about protection, you know, but I see kids playing baseball. I see the leagues have started. I've seen kids playing team sports and going to camp. So it's like, you know, but I want my kids kind of to have some type of normalcy, some type of being able to interact with other students and interact with teachers and being able to leave and do their work. So it's a tough decision. Uh, as of right now, today, I don't think so. Uh, but I, I don't know. That might change in the next couple of weeks. Now, yeah, I know you don't have kids, but what, what is your thought? You have a lot of nieces and god kids and all that other stuff. Um, I think that for people, that's really on, on you. You know, I also think it depends on where you are, like what city you're in. I know in some small cities, they haven't had a lot of issues with coronavirus. So if you feel comfortable knowing that, okay, in this, you know, city that I live in, uh, maybe it's not as much of a concern as it is in some of the hot spots. But I do think as a parent, as an individual, it's also hard for people if you don't have like the technology at home 
to keep you on par with the other students. I understand all of that. I have a lot of my friends talking to me about their own kids. One of my friends has three children and she's a single mom and she works and she's like, look, I can't even go back to work unless my kids go to school. Her baby father doesn't pay child support. So, you know, she's struggling right now. And she's like, I don't know how I'm going to maintain this unless my kids go back to school. But then she's also concerned about their safety. So I just think what are the guidelines that the school is following to ensure safety with the social distancing? And is it going to be limited, smaller classes, more spread out? Are the kids getting temperature checked? You know, I think you should take all those things into consideration. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the sad thing about it is, Charlamagne, you and I both know, I mean, there are sick kids all the time. Like your kid always has a runny nose. You know what I mean? Your kids get sick. They get, you know, sick from other kids. Yeah, the way my anxiety set up, I ain't got time for all that. I don't got time for every cough, every runny nose, yeah. every fever, because I don't even know if other illnesses exist anymore. Everything is COVID. But also, too, who protecting the teachers? Because, you know, the True. kids, you know, we don't know if, you know, how coronavirus impacts children. Like, I think I read a story the other day that said a nine-year-old died of coronavirus in Florida, right? But those teachers have to be exposed to those kids all the time. Like, those kids could be asymptomatic car- carriers, and the teachers are just there wide open and then those kids are going back to their parents and those parents are going to their yeah. grandparents like it's just I, it's, it's just it's just all bad man it's just all bad and, and like i said before it's just it's a tough spot to be in because your your primary instinct as a parent is to protect your child right but having Correct. a job and providing for your kids is part of that protection so it's just a really bad spot to be in well let's go to the phone lines hello who's this it's courtney hey courtney now we're talking about your kids going to school what, what are you thinking so I am a, a yes and a no. So I have a three-year-old and I have a seven-year-old. So I have one in daycare and I have one that's going into third grade this year. Mm-hmm. So yes, they need to go back to school because my seven-year-old, you know, she goes to another person for that little bit of extra help with the reading and things like that, that I cannot give her working, you know, 45, 50 hours a week. Um, and my three-year-old, he needs to interact with other children, but to also think that kids school age are not going to run around and, you know, make fun of it and, you know, randomly lick their hands or something. That will happen as well. So that part's a little scary, but they need interaction with other children. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. It's a, it's a yes <laughs> and no for me too. Thank you, mama. Let's go to one more line. 800-585-1051. Hello, who's this? What up though? It's Jay Cotton. Cotton. Like hey. Still cotton. No relation. What's up, brother? No relation. No relation, right. no relation to uh, Senator Cotton? No, nah, but his his people might have had my people. You know what I'm saying? True. <laughs> so, True. Whatever. We ain't, we ain't, we ain't, that ain't why I call it, but whatever. What up, though? We talking about the schools, right? That's what we yes, talking sir. about. What, what, what's your thoughts? I'm not doing it. Not right now. They don't have a consistent plan. They should have been, uh, they should have came up with a plan on what they was going to do to keep the kids at home. It should have been virtual schooling already been in, in the works. They should have already had it working out. I agree with you. Right. Right. Well, thank I you. I agree with you. All right. 800-585-1051. Are you letting your kids go to school this year? Let's talk about it. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Call me. Add your opinion to The Breakfast Club top. Come on. 800-585-1051. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, if you just joined us, we're talking about your kids going to school this year. Are you going to let your kids go to school this year? Hello, who's this? This is Dion calling out of Richmond, Virginia. 
Hey, what's up, bro? We're talking about your kids in school this year. You gonna let your kids go to school this year? Um, I'm thinking so. Um, I got a I got a daughter that's going to first grade, and I feel as if you know the, the younger kids is very they they need the school right now. Like I agree. she's not gonna look at it. She's not gonna look at a, a computer or a, or a tablet for six seven hours, and they're gonna have her attention. At no more than two three hours, she's gonna be like, okay, I'm over this. So I feel as if younger kids they they need the school. I know out here in college. They're doing half virtual and half in class. So, like, all the younger kids, they kind of do need to go to school because they really need it. High school, they can probably do laptops, but right now, the younger kids really need it. So, hey, Listen, I agree. Younger kids need school, but younger mm-hmm. kids also need their health. They need their lives, you know? So it's just like we got to make a decision at this, at, this, at this moment. Like, I would hate to see, um, you know, a, something permanent happen based off temporary feelings. Yeah, but, you know, also, it's like he said with the younger kids, you know, you can't expect them to stand there and look at a computer for five, six, seven, eight hours, you know, five hours, you know, so that's difficult. You know, So what are you teaching for, an hour a day or two hours a day? Then parents are not teachers, so they don't know the curriculum. They don't know how to teach. And so your kids will be you know, behind, you know. It, it's, it's a tough one. An, out, an outbreak of coronavirus among kids all across the country. That would be right. hella difficult. <laughs> right. That would be hella difficult. Hello, who's this? Yo. 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 What's good? Good morning. What's good happening? Morning. You smoke, I can tell you smoking this morning. I can tell you waking no, and baking. No, I am not. Thank you. I don't believe you. I, I don't do believe that. you. Liar. I do that. I liar, don't liar, do pants that. on fire. <laughs> no, no, my lips don't touch those things, but thank you. No, no. Right. How are you this morning? Under time and good morning. I'm great. I am feeling great this morning. So here in Detroit last year, my children got several notices home saying, hey, parents, can you send in Lysol? Can you send in alcohol wipes? Remind your children to use sanitizer. We need to disinfect this. We need to disinfect that. I truly believe that coronavirus manifested sometime last year in school. Kids were massively getting sick like crazy numbers here in Detroit. There is no way in heck that I'm sending my kids into school. They will be doing full online school. That's just that. There's no How old are your kids? How old are your kids? I have five girls, the age range from 11 to 16. Mm-hmm. All fair sets. Two in middle school, three in high school. They're not going in person school. There's just mm-hmm. no way you can tell me that my kids are going to be good. First of all, my 11 year old herself, she's not going to keep that dang mask on. I don't even take mm-hmm. her into the store because she don't want to keep the mask on. There's right. no way. It's not going to happen. All right. Well, thank you, Mama. All right. Well, what's tomorrow if there is a moral? I don't know if there is a moral, man. I, like I said, it, you, you can't even tell somebody to trust their instincts in a situation like this because as a parent, your instinct automatically is to protect your kids. Protect your kids from any harm if you can prevent it. But having a job and providing for your kids is part of that protection. So it's just a bad spot to be in. So it really is. Well, listen. To each their own type of situations. Mm-hmm. There's a small city in Georgia. They're going to be putting students in classrooms this week in Jefferson. So this week, they're going to start in-person classes without a mask requirement. Yeah, that's... Jefferson <sighs> High School. But there's a lot of schools that are open now. Like, there's a lot of schools open now. I was um, talking to a friend of mine who's Jewish, and he was like, his kids are in school. And 
the bus picks him up, the bus drops him back off, and he says they had no cases of COVID, and and they, they're taking every proper you know cause for it. And he and he has kids that I believe are like six, seven. So I mean, people are doing it, and it seems like it's working. I just, I just don't. My anxiety and my my heart is telling me just chill out for a little bit. So we'll just chill. I don't see it, but I thank God that um, you know, I I am in the position to be able to just chill. That's right. Everybody don't have that luxury, and, and it is indeed a luxury. So it's a tough spot for, for people to be in. All right. Well, we got rumors on the way, Yee? Uh, yes, we are going to be talking about Kyrie Irving, and he has committed $1.5 million. We'll tell you where that money's going. All right. We'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Kyrie Irving. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee. Rumor has it. On The Breakfast Club. So listen up. All right, so Kyrie Irving has committed $1.5 million, and that is for WNBA players who chose not to play in this season, he said whether a person decided to fight for social justice, play basketball, focus on physical or mental health, or simply connect with their families, this initiative can hopefully support their priorities and decisions. So that donation. We've heard some players talk about their own health. Other WNBA players like Liz, uh, 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 there's a few different WNBA players who have decided to opt out this season, some for political reasons. Um, you know, Natasha Cloud is not joining her team this year to focus on helping to fight for social justice. For whatever reason, that's going to help. I love it. I mean, I, I, I get it. Like, when you believe in something and you got the money to put it up, do it. Like, salute to him for that. That's a mm-hmm. great cause. That's a great, great deed he did. These are personal decisions for people. You know, we've seen some players who are using their time on the court to also discuss social justice and uh, do things of that sort. Some people are sitting out to take care of things. Some people have health issues. For whatever your personal reason is, you know, you shouldn't be forced to go play during a time like this. All right, now, comedian Corey Holcomb is under the fire right now. He did more than a culture podcast. And he talked about a number of different things. And he thought he talked about the coronavirus pandemic and essential workers. And people were not happy what he said about people working at McDonald's. It's like right now, it's a time in the world where a busted ass who mopping the floor at McDonald's can tell you to put on your mask. <laughs> you ain't got no authority you don't get over your my life face. together. You my age and here mopping. Mopping. <laughs> Shut up. Now put your mask on though, before you go to the register. Put your mask on. If I got COVID and it kill you, I did you a favor, my. <laughs> Yeah, but people got to understand, he's a comedian. What he said was foul, but he's a comedian. You know, you can make jokes, but it's got to be funny. Was that funny? Well, I love Corey. Uh, it's funny to somebody. You know, I love Corey Holcomb. Corey and I have different philosophies on that, though, because I feel like you can learn from anyone. You know, I don't care if it's a crackhead. I don't care if it's an alcoholic. I don't, I don't care if a person is showing you what not to do based on how they've, they've lived their life. I feel like you can learn from anyone. And I'm going to respect your space. I'm going to respect your authority. If I'm in McDonald's, and you the manager at McDonald's. I'm a that's your spot. You as such. Yeah, absolutely. You know that is your that's your space. I think if, was, you if he said if I got co if I got COVID and it killed you, I did you a favor. Yeah, because he's making it seem like people who work at McDonald's are, are, less than are him. beneath him and are, are beneath him and don't deserve to live, which is absolutely not true. Like that's nah. Right. That we're trying to spread some true. love right now too. We appreciate everybody that's working right now because it is a it is a risk. 
All right. Now, another comedian that people are talking about is Faison Love. He was on Hip Hop Uncensored podcast, and he had this to say about Jay-Z just out of nowhere. I like Jay-Z. I like him as a guy in the whole Eric thing he created about this fake dope dealing. That's when I stopped disliking him. Like, I don't think he ever won a fight. Like, this has never sold cocaine, ever. Because you know why? He keeps telling all these stories about how he did this and did this, but there's no stories of... Of the other side, somebody going to bust you, somebody, nobody ever sold you pancake. It was always Miami Vice. Now, that is one I can honestly say, <laughs> why do we care? Well, why Cameron we care responded, what he said. Love thinks about Jay-Z. <laughs> Cameron responded, he said, he said, I know me and Hove haven't had the best relationship publicly, but Faison don't know what the F he's talking about, whether legally or illegally, and where it's got to it. But yeah, I don't why even understand do we care yeah, well, what Faison Love thinks about Jay-Z? Like, I don't even know why that was a conversation, how it came up about him and Jay- Jay-Z selling drugs. He, he didn't sell j- drugs with Jay. He didn't know Jay growing up. I, I don't even understand. I was confused. Hove is 50 years old. I'm just assuming Hove hasn't sold drugs in probably three decades. Yeah. Why is this a conversation in 2020? Listen, it's, po- it's podcast time, and there's a lot going on on the podcast. For instance, Joe Button, he had some things to say about Logic, who retired recently. Logic. You don't get to announce this because we don't care. <laughs> hey, let's celebrate Logic getting the f- out of here. You think get some empathy for me? <laughs> well, since then, he has backtracked and he actually apologized to Lodge. Here's what he said. Last week, I came in here feeling pretty tumultuous, unable to properly read the room and just hating myself and life, honestly. And unfortunately, I projected some of that onto you, Lodge, and... For that, I want to apologize. That was wrong of me. I should be able to think that you aren't the best rapper in the world, but celebrate your retirement. He definitely called him Lodge. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully hopefully he understood what he did wrong, and and, and I'm sure Lodge called him and they had a conversation, and he apologized. Joe Budden is not a fan of Lodge. Expressing that you're not a fan of somebody does not mean you're doing them wrong. Okay. Well, I think um, he was just talking about letting him retire in peace also. He's retiring. If you have commentary on his retirement, you you are allowed to do that too. Listen, Logic sold 85,000 records last week. If I'm Logic, do I care about the opinion of Joe Budden or do I care about the 85,000 people who bought my record last week? Obviously, he cares like, about the opinion of Joe Budden. Exactly. Hey, and, that's, and, that's, and that's something we all have to work on. We all have to work on, you know, gravitating towards the energy that we don't agree with. Why we do that as humans, I don't know. But you have to be intentional about focusing on the people who actually care about you, not the ones who don't. Yeah, well, Joe Button said that, you know, he, he felt he was disrespectful, so he moonwalked his comments. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Now, Revolt, we'll see you tomorrow. Everybody else, the People's Choice Mix is up next. Get your request in now. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha We are the Breakfast Club. Now, shout out to Romney Malcolm for joining us this morning. Yes, my guy Romney, always representing Brooklyn. I was talking about him yesterday because you know he used to be a rapper, which I think is uh, pretty hilarious. He was in this group called College Boys. Mm-hmm. Back in now the make day. sure you check out his uh, movie Tijuana Jackson: Purpose Over Prison. It's out uh, this it's weekend, a, so definitely support it. It's him. a good, it's a good film. I mean, listen, I enjoyed it. I watched it uh, the other day. It's, it's, it's something about that damn Regina Hall, bro. When Regina Hall shows up on screen anytime in a movie, it's like a light. So it's funny. Yeah, Plus it got I love my Regina Hall. 
Uh, it's pretty funny. And I will say this also. Tammy Roman did a great job, by the way. So, you know, you got to uh -huh. check that out because she did a great acting job. And tonight, by the way, I have my last episode of this limited edition on Fox Soul TV, the Motown Countdown. And we're actually counting down some of the top Motown songs and Motown artists. So make sure y'all tune in for that because, you know, Motown span from when it started in Detroit, in Detroit until today. So there's some amazing Motown artists today that y'all still listen to, like Lil Baby. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, well, City when girls. we come back, we got the positive note. Don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha We are The Breakfast Club. Now, Charlamagne, you got a positive note? Yes, I do, man. The positive note is simply this. There is no blame, okay? I release the need to blame anyone, including myself. We are all doing the best we can with the understanding, knowledge, and awareness we have. Breakfast Club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done? Oh, no.